Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Welcome to the Bike Rider Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRider.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. My name's Tom Marvin. I'm Senior Technical Editor here at MBUK Magazine and, of course, BikeRadar.com. Now, joining me today in the podcast studio is Ash. He is one of our Senior Technical Editors here at Bike Radar. How's it going, Ash? Very well, thank you, sir. And via the magic of Zoom, we've got Warren Roster. He's also a Senior Technical Editor across Cycling Plus Magazine and BikeRadar.com. How's it going, Was? Very good, thanks, mate. Good stuff. Was, what have you been up to recently? Um, testing Bike of the Year bikes. And as you can see, well, obviously you can't, if you listen to this podcast, you can see by my get up, I'm fully kitted out, ready to ride. So the minute we click stop on this, I'm jumping on um, a gravel bike and heading out for the rest of the day. Excellent. What's the gravel bike going to be? It's a Pivot Vault. Oh. It's quite an interesting bike. It's got a sort of um, suedo suspension system thing on the back and um, quite progressive geometry. I'm quite looking forward to riding it. Cool. Sounds like an interesting one. Ash, what are you up to? You're not in cycling kit. I'm guessing you're not going to jump on a bike in the next half an hour. No, I'm not. But I am in the depth of of testing Bike of the Year bikes as well. As it happens, I did ride one of those bikes in today, or at least onto a train. So I did a full train commute on Tade Pogacar's V4 RS Colnago. So uh, yeah, never let it be said that I'm not thorough. Excellent stuff. Excellent. And how are you, sir? I'm all right. Thank you, Ash. Yeah, no, very good. I'm also... You'll be surprised here testing bike the bikes, but mine are all mountain bikes. Uh, so I'm doing our trail bikes test this year, uh, and I'm heading to Bike Park Wales tomorrow for a, a lovely day of shuttling up and down the hill uh, and getting a little bit muddy, which would be uh, kind of fun. Um, but in a drop bar, 
sense because this is actually one of our road tech Q&A podcasts. I'm actually riding the new classic, well, not the new, but I'm riding the classified uh, rear hub, which is a two-speed rear hub uh, onto which, well, kind of makes your one-by bike into a two-by or makes your two-by bike into a one-by but with two-by gears. Yeah. And it's it's like it uses magic, I think. It I is magic. Yeah, magic and stardust, yeah. Um, but it's really impressive. Um, so I, had a, I took that for a spin at the weekend. Now, as I mentioned, this is a tech Q&A podcast. Uh, and this year, or certainly for the start of this year, we're going to be running um, topic-specific Q&As. Now, last year we did a whole melange of different questions in each episode, but this time we are focusing on one topic. And today it is the turn of road drivetrains, which is why we've got our two road senior tech heads with us in the podcast studio. So we're going to crack on quickly um, because we're five minutes in. Uh, and we're on a time limit today because Woz has to go riding gravel bikes and I've got other meetings to attend. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> question. I'm sure Ash has got lots to do as well. Uh, uh, I might do. I don't know. I'll, I'll check it out when I get out We'll find out. Uh, question one. Uh, this goes to Warren predominantly, but um, will one-by drivetrains become a thing? And I think you've ridden that classified, haven't you, Was as well? I have, yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole one-by road question keeps coming up and... Um, to be honest, I quite liked it the first time around. Okay. Um, in fact, I took um, an original 3T Strider with 11-speed mechanical SRAM Force 1 um, to a month-long riding trip to Queensland back in 2017. Um, and I rode the lumpy ridges of the Glasshouse Mountains without any issues on one by. Mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, selecting just one setup for all instances is tricky. Um, and that's the problem that came with um, the teams that were racing one by back then. Um, it was more a lack of components, and by that I mean cassettes and, and um, chambering options. Um, so some of those teams suffering um, if they have the wrong equipment for the wrong conditions. That, however, was back in those mechanical 11-speed days. Um, now we've got 12-speed or even 13-speed if you're looking at Campag e-car, um, which is a gravel grip, I know, but there's no reason you couldn't use it on the road. So the ratios are closer, yet the spread's wider. Um, but I just would say you just need to get your gear selection right. Mm-hmm. It's something we've kind of lost as road riders. You know, I'm enough of a vintage to remember going into your bike shop and there'd be a board up on the wall, which was usually Mika, um, of cassette cogs where you just built your own cassette, you know, configuration. To sh- and you built it to suit your locale, your discipline, or even your strengths. Um, but now we've sort of homologated gearing into the best averages across the board. Um, I think going strictly one by is harder, but not impossible. Plus, of course, that classified rear hub lives up to its claims. And I tested it out probably about 18 months ago, and I was really impressed then. We might see the end of the fiddly front mech forever. Do you think um, someone's going to, one of the big manufacturers are going to buy classified to to steal that tech? Because it is genuinely impressive. It is genuinely impressive. And initially when I tried it, you know, when um, because they'd done a bit of a collaboration with Ridley and Ridley sent me a, a, a bike with it on. I was really, really impressed. And my first thoughts were, one of the big boys is going to buy this company. But now they seem to have secured so much funding from other sources. I don't know whether they need to be bought out. They definitely need to have the take-up from some of the bigger brands. You know, One of the, the real big boys out there needs to, to bring out a full OE spec production bike with it on you know, to, to gain that sort of traction. And we do need to see how it, how it, how it shapes up. You know, It's going to be raced this year at the highest level. Um, that'll be the big test of it, but but I, you know, I'm quietly confident that it does propose a really good solution. Cool. 
Well, as we've been sat here, we we have almost had the uh, the press release sort of land in our inboxes around Victor Kampenertz riding this uh, for for you know so he op- he ran it for the opening weekend over in uh, for the Belgian Classics. Um, and we we I say we've we've just had the press release literally land in our inbox about maybe half an hour before before we w- you know went on air to record this. So. And I've just checked that there was no embargo for that. No, there wasn't. I checked already. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. I've already been there. Already been there. I might break another embargo late, later <laughs> in this pod. Who knows? But uh, not that one. Um, but yeah, we're, we're starting to see it um, appear on the on the pro scene, um, and you know that is the place to sort of test the test these sort of components in in, in a in a race environment, of course. But you know, it's it's whether it works for everyday riders such as you and me, Tom, and uh, that's why you are doing a very thorough test. I, of I it. see myself very much as the everyday rider. The everyday rider, exactly. <laughs> Um, that that ties on nicely to actually our next question, uh, which uh, is how long will mechanical group sets be relevant? So we've talked about obviously two by, if they're still getting relevant, but what about one about uh, mechanical group sets? Ash, what do you reckon? For a long time, hmm? a long time to come, in my opinion. Um, and and I, th- I think. I, I've got a long-winded answer sort of in my head for this, but we're going to try and keep it as short as I possibly can. Uh, you've got two broad parts of the market when you look at it, in my view. You've got your entry-level slash urban slash hybrid area, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so people who get on a bike and need to ride it to get to a place or, you know, it's there. It's, it's a tool for getting places, although you can use them for leisure. Of course you can. And you've got your, you know, what I'm going to call enthusiasts, um, which are essentially you and me. We ride the sportier kind of bikes, more aggressive, et cetera, et cetera. So... This podcast comes out after uh, the launch of Shimano Qs, um, and that covers off at launch the urban side of things. You've got 9 to 11 speeds, sort of cross-compatibility of of components, Um, and I mean, the theory goes that that should make things easier for bike shops and bike brands to spec bikes, whether you're OEM level or you're building up a bike in a shop or getting even spare components um, and to be able to mix and match them. Essentially, bike you know bike shops are going should be able to get people in the door. Components should be more readily available or more readily available to order at least and get them back on their bikes and out riding again. Higher turnover, theoretically more profit for bikes as, bike shops as well as making things easier and making customers happier as well. Great stuff. Hopefully, it'll make things cheaper too. Um we in in we kind of suspect there could be a drop bar variant along the way. I think Jack Luke talks a little bit about it in mm. his news story about uh, it potentially replacing Sora, uh, excuse me, Claris Sora Antiagra as well. Um, for you know, for your more sort of entry level enthusiast riders, um, and I mean, you know, the lycra clad clan, shall, shall, shall we call them? Um, so that that could also happen as well, and it really simplifies things at the. It's, it, I we say in a throwaway kind of way like bottom end of the market, but the reality the reality is it's just a, a more cost effective area of the market. Um, we've not ridden queues yet, um, but you know from a mechanical group set point of view, it's not like the six or seven or even eight group sets. There's a you know Olivio and Akira and and all the different levels of group sets you've got on the urban side as well as your Claris, Sora, Tiagra. It's not like those group sets didn't work in the first mm. place um you know electronic shifting that we kind of see on the enthusiast side of things you know coming into play as well as some of the top end um, urban bikes um i think on occasion uh, you know it, it it's nice to have and it's lovely to have uh, but actually uh, it doesn't make you as simon von bromley likes to say it doesn't actually make you go any faster 
Um, there's an argument to say it's a little bit easier um, in terms of shifting and there's a little bit less going on there for, for the rider to worry about. You've just got to press a button. That's all very nice. But it doesn't actually make the mechanical system work any better. You're still moving a chain over a set of sprockets to, in order to push you forward. Um, so, you know, from the enthusiast point of view, I I hear you, I hear everyone screaming down the uh, the airwaves at me right now. We kind of miss a twelve speed one hundred and five mechanical option at the moment since we had the one hundred and five di two launching last last year. Um, you know, it, it's it's they, we have nothing confirmed as to whether something may be coming, may not be coming. But you can still get eleven speed one hundred and five and mm-hmm. Altegra components out there if you shop around. Um, now I did a one hundred and five mechanical test back in the autumn of last year. Spoke about it on the pod mm-hmm. back then as well, and and you know it left me wondering why I'd need any more. Um, to be honest with you, and I'm I'm now testing one hundred and five di two as well, you know twelve speed, and I still I, I mean there are plenty of things that are great about that group set, and the full review will come in the fullness of time when I've crystallised my thoughts. Mm-hmm. But that's uh, you know that that group set as well offers you know I'm not going any faster with that group set than right. I was with with eleven speed and that's eleven speed mechanical. Mm-hmm. Um, so even even should Shimano come up to come up to spec with a with a twelve speed mechanical and keep it alive at that performance end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. you know it's I think the reason you go for it is it's slightly more cost effective and you may want may want to in, enjoy changing your gear cable inners or whatever you know it's um, there's some nerdy people out there who enjoy looking after their bikes there are exa- there are there are strange, and strange bunch well well no I, I, th- I think i think fair play to them if they, if they do enjoy that um but you know it's I, th- I think fundamentally we're talking about margins here um and you know uh, f- from my point of view i think mechanical has a lot of life left in it uh, more life left in it, I think, at the lower end of the market, your urban, yeah, your yeah. hybrid end of the market, certainly, especially with Qs. I think you launched. I think that kind of uh, exemplifies that. Uh, but but I, I still think there's life in it at the top end as well. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. What are your thoughts on on the matter? I know you sort of probably one of the, the first people to get to ride, you know, SRAM's wireless stuff. You've obviously been riding DI2 for as long as that existed, uh, probably longer than it's existed publicly as well. But I and I, I, I don't know if we can talk about it. But there was you were, you were chatting about a mechanical grips that you might put on a bike soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think no, I can't. But um, but I think the thing is, I think at the performance end of the thing, it's all going to go electronic. You know, no matter what we think. If you're talking pure road, but it's when you're moving into like gravel, adventure, etc. Um, I think a place for mechanical groups still very much exists there because if you're, you know, doing a transcontinental or 
out on an epic tour if in the middle of the Gobi Desert or whatever you know you can't pull your DI2 battery out and recharge it but you can adjust the cable or replace the cable so you know I think there are places where mechanical makes a lot more sense but for most pure road especially at the kind of performance racing end of the market um, electronic holds all the cards really you know it requires less adjustment it requires less maintenance it, it just works accurately for longer Mm-hmm. You know, you haven't got, and it frees up design as well. Especially now, everything's wireless. Um, it frees up the designers to to build bikes that are optimized around not having to run a cable through the frame or on the frame or whatever. So, yeah, I think you know, mechanical does have a future, but it's just going to become um, it's going to become the niche. Whereas previously, electronic has always been the niche. I'd have to agree with that, despite my feeling that you know, uh, going for a DI two group set. I mean, you have no choice at the very top end. Mm-hmm. at this point um, and it's going to stay that way was is absolutely right I is, think. There, is there no Duros mechanical now? nope not at all uh, not at all not even, not even Altegra with the 12 speed um, it's all got phased out um, but I, I I still I still feel uh, that it's akin to sort of buying a, a MacBook Pro for to sort of browse, browse the internet and check your emails when actually you might be better off with a much cheaper cheaper computer to do exactly the same job for you and mm-hmm. you, you wouldn't notice the difference Um so that that's how I tend to think about things at, at, at the moment. I think the market's kind of forcing consumers in that direction, which mm-hmm. I think is a real shame. Um, but as Warren says, it is the future, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, we'll see electronic group sets get a little bit cheaper, so that mechanical group sets, you know, the loss of mechanical group sets doesn't feel so keen to someone who has to open their wallet and actually buy the thing. And if you did have to open your wallet and buy the thing, Ash. Would you be looking for a model? Say you know, say you had like a three three grand or something in your pocket. Would you be looking for a a model that had mechanical but maybe slightly better components elsewhere, or would you would you spend the money and get a, a, an electronic group set at the expense of maybe a, a slightly fancier wheel set? Or where where's the tipping point? Which which where would you go? Ooh, it's a tough. I don't think three grand is the tipping point. Um, I mean, I, 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 mean, yeah, I, I yeah, speak yeah. as someone who maybe isn't so quite as in tune with the with the market. Ooh, uh, I, I, it's it's something that I actually do mull over occasionally, and I wonder: would I do this? Would I not? Mm. I've got one of I've had, as I say, I've got the one hundred and five Di two group set review on my slate, and it will come when I'm ready to. So my thoughts are crystallised around it, and I think this is one of those questions that mm-hmm. I kind of want to get sort of straight in my head. The honest answer is at the moment, I'm not actually sure. Mm. I'm not sure, and I'm going to be honest and say I don't know. Um, I think I would probably. Given that it's it's arguably slightly easier to upgrade, uh, you know your components around electronic drive electronic drivetrain, um, than it might be for a bike that's take you say takes mechanical routing and then you can't necessarily fit say cables you know di two cables through that for example not a problem for SRAM users of course, mm. um, being fully wireless but um, if you know there's possibly a bit of compatibility issues there. Um, then I might go down the route of having a Di2 group set first for ease. Almost like future-proof yourself a little bit. Kind of, yeah. Um, you know, it's. It, it, but I think I think it really depends. It really depends where where your budget is and what you think. I think if you're going to get the most bang for buck out of your ride out of the box, then you go. You know, something something mechanical mm-hmm. with better components that surround it mm-hmm. is actually probably the better way to go. But if you're playing a longer game and think, well, I want the electronic group set, and I either have a spare set of wheels that I can bring to the table already in my garage, it's not uncommon, or you think I'm going to save up for a set of wheels to add on to this or change the tires, change, you know, 
modify other bits and pieces around around it then you know longer term that's possibly the better way to go so Mm -hmm. it really depends where your focus is and what you've already got in your garage already if you're looking for the one bike then i might take the longer longer approach Um, but again it depends on what your budget's like right here right now and i suspect the mechanical mechanically uh, fitted bike would be slightly cheaper than the di2 or the electronic uh, fitted bike well the stuff wise wears Good consumer advice, Ash. Well, that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, we've talked a lot about you know some higher end stuff just there. Though, Ash, Ash, you touched on cues as well. But um, Warren, next question really is: uh, What's worth looking for on a five hundred pound bike when it comes to drivetrains? What what we're we looking for to sort of prioritise? To be honest, when you're looking down at, at that super low end, um, on a complete bike, the drivetrain is almost the last thing I'd be looking at. Okay. You know, truthfully, you know, when you're when you're when you're spending that sort of money, just look at the frame first. You know, you're looking at aluminium, so look at decent aluminium that's butted. Look at butted steel. Both of these just have such a superior ride quality than just straight grade chromoly, or you know, any unspecified metal tube set. And then when you look into the drivetrain, look for um, look for parts and brands you recognise. You know, Shimano is the obvious one. They do great stuff down at the low end. Um, you know, as we've touched upon, Alta, Cicera, Sora, all great stuff, you know, all just works and works well. Um, Microshift are doing some good stuff down at the low end as well. Um, and Microshift and Shimano seem to play ball with each other nice and seamlessly. So a mixed drivetrain um, is not necessarily a problem. I'd also be looking at, you know, things like the chain set. Um, if it's got a unbranded chain set, you know, ha- take take a look behind the chain set because you might be looking at a... Um, uh, you know, a very, very old tech square taper bottom bracket, which um, they do work. They are good, but they require quite a lot of um, keeping an eye on. There's nothing worse than a square taper bottom bracket coming a bit loose because it will round out your cranks and then that's a big bill to have it replaced. And then the other thing I would say, specific to drivetrains, is um, quite often cheap bikes get weirdly tall gearing. Um, I don't know why this is, you know, um, and especially if you're dealing with like an eight or nine speed cassette, Take a look at the cassette, see if it's got something like an 1130 or bigger. You know, we've seen, you know, we've tested bikes around the 500 pound mark, which have been as tight as like a, you know, an 1125, which is like early 80s, early 80s pro tour gearing, you know, and and let's let's face it, a 500 quid bike is probably going to be your first foray into drop bar riding. And if you're dealing with gears that just make everything hard, you're not exactly going to fall in love with the sport. Mm hmm. And to that end, a bit of consumer advice, I'd say there are some brands that are just so much better than others at serving this end of the market. You know, there's a reason Triban from Decathlon always top our budget tests and they sell out pretty much as soon as they announce a new bike. Um, UK specific, I'd probably say someone like Boardman and Carrera. They do really, really good things down at the low end too. And globally, Giant, you know, they they contend, they're, their aluminium drop bar range is really impressive, although it does start a little bit above 500. I think the cheapest one's like 599. Although I will say, you know, a little bit of insider info um, from rumours swirling around the bike trade from the trade shows I've been to and people I've been talking to recently. Um, rumours are rife that we may have something of a glut of low-end bikes um, heading for retail. Um, it, as this is orders from the past couple of years throughout the pandemic and through the shortages that we've seen caused by that are now all being fulfilled. There's a huge amount of bikes landing all over the place um, from some of the biggest brands. Um, so we might end up with a little bit of a consumer-focused bun fight of um, 
people trying to liquidate all this stock before they bring in this year's and next year's bikes. So feels like we're kind of already seeing that in in some areas as well. Like there's a there's a lot of sales going on at the moment. A lot of people trying to get rid of bikes. You know, e bikes on the mountain bike side of things. E bikes, for example. It's a lot of them being pushed. Even clothing as well. Mm. You know, usually it's it's very seasonal. You'll have a summer sale and a winter sale. Now we just seem to have one sale being replaced by another sale by another sale. So, yeah, if you're looking for something, you know, something at that low end, it's a, it's a good time to be buying. Okay. I'd like to add something as well. Mm. It's, uh, you know, if you're buying, it, it's not unreasonable to suppose that many, many buyers buying a 500-pound bike may be brand new to cycling. And so talking about a square taper bottom bracket, et cetera, et cetera, all these, all these terms may be complete gobbledygook to someone who's looking at these bikes that I don't know what that is. And I don't know, I don't know what a sprocket is. What's, mm. what's a 32th on the back of my, of my, you know, sprocket, for example, what am I looking at? Where, where do I look for that? All of these details, it's, it's a lot to get your head around. So, um, so one of the pieces of advice I would have for, uh, just, just generally speaking is to Find out where your best bike shop, local bike shops are, have a little browse around, speak to them, see if they're on the same le- wavelength, and then you'll probably get a very quick idea as whether they're trying to sell you a bike and get you out the door quickly, mm-hmm. or whether they actually care whether you're buying the right bike and you're you're worried about the things. And just ask the questions. There's no stupid questions. And if they've got the time for you and they're worth dealing with, they will answer them and they'll answer them fully and spend time with you because it's it's worth their while to do so as well. So So yeah, make friends with your local bike shop. Top tip, top tip. Um, I was going to ask a question about Campagnola, but I'm actually going to jump quickly onto the final question that is now the not the final question. Um, but it ties into this and something that you said, um, Warren. Like, how possible is it to mix and match uh, shifters and mechs across drivetrain brands? And I think this probably is more pertinent at that lower end of the market. Yeah, sort of is. Yeah, yeah. Although, you know, I, although I haven't tried it recently, um, in the past we did have a bit of uh, a bit of a thing in the office where we wanted to find out what worked with what. Um, and that was mixing Dura Ace 9000, SRAM Red 22 and Campagnolo Record. Um, we had three bikes all built the same and we just mixed and matched all the components. And to be honest, we got them all working. Okay. They, it, we did so we did some weird things, like I think on on like front mechs running the cable, the other side of, um, of the clamp to increase the pull ratio and things like that. But we literally got every bike that we had working with a complete mix of components, uh, even though all those brands said we couldn't make it happen and we did. Um, but it, I mean, at that high end, though, the question remains: Why? You know, it was a pretty stupid thing to do then, just for the sake of it. Um, it's expensive and somewhat annoying. And to what end? Uh, but at the low end, we see much more mixing of brands: Microsoft shifters, Sun Race cassettes, cheaper Shimano mix. All seem to coexist quite happily together. Um, and to be honest, it's sort of becoming the norm on on things like budget gravel bikes. Um, we just see that quite a lot now. Um, although. If I was building something up from scratch um, and wanted to mix things up, you know, cross the streams, if you will, um, I would probably do it with uh, building up a rim brake bike, um, running flyweight brakes, you know, like EEs, um, either with an STI ergo or double chap shifters, yet ignoring the shifting element of those levers um, and running, say, uh, a rival axis, cheap rival axis rear mech and a couple of wireless blips just to handle the shifting. And then you've got you know, then you know that that for me would make the basis of quite a cool like TT bike or a hill climb bike because you can just reduce everything to a minimum, and and it would all just work together. But it's just a sort of random idea of thinking about because I've got a load of bits in my garage. And have a little tinker. I might have a little tinker, a bit of a crack at that. 
Yeah, why not? If the one thing I understand from you was is that you don't have enough bikes and you need to be doing that. <laughs> I, no, you never have enough bikes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, it's per, I mean, we're talking about across across brands here, uh, you know. But you know, Q's yeah. Q's demonstrates from Shimano at least, and again, only because it's pertinent and it's quite timely right now that you know brands moving towards a more modular setup of pick mix and match components. Mm-hmm. Um, could be a good way forward for you know efficiencies within within the business of cycling and stuff. I guess that's yeah. the thing that we have seen SRAM being particularly good at um, this cues thing, hopefully leading towards, and I think Microsoft as well, whereby there there's cross compatibility between their road group sets and their mountain bike group sets. So quite often sort of hear the term mullet uh, when it comes to drivetrains, um, maybe running like a a road uh, access shifter with the mountain bike access rear met giving you the 10 to 52 uh, cassette range uh, on your gravel bike while still having having your drop bars. Um, yeah. I'm yet to see it go the other way, really, where like maybe an XC racer might want to have a flat bar uh, with a, an XX1 shifter and a, a road cassette uh, and mech, but it certainly could be done. In fact, I maybe I have seen someone doing it, but it's not, it's not commonly done. Party um, at the front, business at the back, exactly. opposite to the usual. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I would say on that, um, sort of as an adjacent to that and neither of them neither SRAM nor Shimano have done it yet and we're still waiting for Campag to um, wake up from a decade of sort of ambivalence towards their road groups um, uh, both SRAM and Shimano I think need to have a 12 speed mechanical group in their lineup because that's the only way you get an upgrade path you know it was the beauty of when SRAM brought out ETAP is that it worked with Red 22 so you didn't need to replace everything. You didn't need to, ex- if you had, you know, an expensive red 22 crank with the quad power meter, you know, like a 1500 quid power meter crank set, you didn't need to bin it to move to electronic. You just bought the electronic bits and added them on. Mm-hmm. And I think we need that. Um, we need the return to that upgrade path. You know, like we were talking about, you know, would you buy a bike at three, three grand, three and a half grand with an electronic or a mechanical group set, it shouldn't be in, in either or choice. It should be, I can buy that bike with a mechanical group and then maybe next year I can get myself the electronic mix. Or, you know, I can, I can as bits wear out, I can replace them and keep stepping up that ladder. You know, I find it a bit disappointing now that I can't go out and buy a 105 bike and upgrade it over the years and end up with a Jura-Ace bike, you know. I've got a bike in the garage that I did exactly that too, you know. But the drive term is the last thing to change on it after changing to super expensive wheels and all sorts of parts. I mean, it, at one point, I did claim it was the most expensive 105 bike in the world. But now, now I've broken that, you know, I've broken that um, record because I graded it to race. But there you go. I have to agree. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, and I, you know, having being able to upgrade easily and to see that path in front of you, I think, is an opportunity that you know group set manufacturers are possibly missing right now. Um, but yeah, um, I, I guess they're they're looking at the market and seeing better margins and better better profits in. Uh, sort of keeping people within families and, and forcing you to upgrade the whole thing rather than little components. Say, oh, I'd like I prefer a, a better lever feel, or mm. I prefer front a better front derailleur than the one I've got to make the throw a bit easier, or whatever, whatever it might be. You know, it that doesn't seem to be a priority for brands right now. But I'm I'm always a fan of this. I, well, as I always say that you know things come and go and they swing from side to side. Maybe we'll go back to that kind of modular setup. We've seen it with Qs at the lower end, but it's a different market that Shimano's playing to there. So I wonder whether or not that may come back in say five to ten years time. Who knows? Interesting stuff. All right, we'll do a very last question, a bit of a quick fire one as well. Uh, is it about time Campagnolo showed us something new? And what would you like to see? Ash, you've been thinking about this one. Uh, my answer is yes. 
Uh, you said you wanted a quick <laughs> fire. <laughs> Maybe not um, that quick fire. We've got a few minutes. We've got a few minutes. Yeah. So um, yeah, to make to make it as quick as we can. Uh, uh, one of our uh, tech writers, Oscar Huckle, mm-hmm. um, has worked with Campagno, you know, Campagno cassettes in a previous life, uh, cassettes and drivetrains for in a previous life for a long time. Um, he, so he wrote a great opinion piece uh, back in the summer last year about the things he would like to see. Uh, the couple of key bits from that that I saw were wireless shifting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we're talking about Campagnolo, we're almost always talking about sort of a high end part of the road road segment. Um, and it's just the way Campagnolo positions itself, and it's got a lot of history as well. Um, but he wanted to see wireless shifting um, to mirror SRAM um, or partially mirror what Shimano have done. Um, so would I, to be honest. And more sort of e- um, EPS tier. So Campagnolo calls its electronic drivetrain EPS. Mm-hmm. Um, and currently it's limited only to Super Record. Uh, right, you okay. used to be able to get it on record, um, chorus, and Athena. Athena not being a thing anymore at all, I believe. Um, but you used to be able to get it across a range of uh, drivetrains that they offered. It doesn't offer it anymore. Um, so it's just super record at the moment. Um, frankly, from my point of view, I'd prefer to see something a little bit less confusing overall anyway. Right. The, the names I had to check with Oscar, and I know I know the names of all the group sets yeah, and so yeah, on, yeah. but I still get myself going, wait, is it that order or is it another order? And I've and I've been working around, I went went to the 12-speed launch years ago, you know, for the original, before EPS came out of the current generation of group sets. And, you know, I was still working it out then. I'm still trying to work it out now in in a, in a funny sort of way. You know, there are names like Centaur and Potenza that have come and gone in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's all in the mix. Um, but, you know, fundamentally, Campagnolo has been very quiet in recent times. Yeah. Uh, Warren alluded to it just then. And, you know, it is high time something new came along because it... it, it it, it, you know, Campagnolo may think that it's in a rarefied atmosphere and it's set, centered in history in cycling, but you know, time waits for no for no one, mm-hmm. I think, um, and eventually you get found out. So um, I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing something new. EPS is old comparatively. Shimano and Tram have both done something new, a lots of new things in in the intervening years that I've seen uh, Campagnolo EPS arrive. Um, I mean, visually, it also, I mean, it looks great. The the, the whole, you know, sort of carbon uh, construction all looks great yeah, and, and yeah. stuff, but it looks bulky now and it looks a little bit sort of outdated from that point of view, although you can kind of accept it if you're into kind of a classical look with the electronic shifting. It's kind of a weird juxtaposition that, but it kind of works. Personally, I think something's on the way. And the only reason I kind of think that um, is because, you know, when Pinarello launched its recent F-Series and X-Series bikes, it was kind of conspicuous that there were no Campagnolo group sets mm-hmm. available at all. It's not like it went to Campagnolo and said, what have you got? Or just spec one. It didn't do that at all, which suggests to me that something may be in the works. Yeah. Um, and maybe we'll see something in, you know, in the future, um, maybe for a future line of, of you know, F-Series or X-Series bikes from Pinarello's side. But other other brands as well, you're just not seeing it. You only see... You only see brands sort of specking Shimano and Tram right now, and or Campagnolo can't do business on a market, uh, you know, on not selling components. Yeah. So, you know, for me, you know, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what comes in. You know, watch this space. Warren, any any final thoughts on that? Have they backed themselves into irrelevance, or are they still hugely relevant in the market? They just have no OE spec at all anymore. You know, the only bikes you see specced with Campagnolo are custom builds, and and 
they are preying on their you know on their heritage and and their history and that's an ever decreasing market everybody's getting older you know and the the you know I, I doubt there's a very many young riders in the peloton right now that their first bike had campag on it you know and, and that's the thing you know the, the abandonment of things like xenon and mirage and the the really cheap group sets they used to make which which to be honest put head to head against shimano they outperformed they were better you know but they they seem to have just disregarded that whole thing and gone well we're high end i mean i was used to find it funny being um being preached to by by the pr machine at campag that chorus that's the equivalent of Dura race record is above Dura race and <laughs> yes. super record is yeah. way above Dura race you know and it, the rest of the, the rest yeah. of the world went yeah is it really okay um, I mean, I have seen some, some bits, some, some, some uh, drawings and diagrams um, from a, when I was at a recent trip. It was quite a late night in, in discretion from um, somebody within the industry I was seeing. Uh, so I, there's definitely something new. Um, and it looks different. It, it's a step away from, from traditional, um, especially traditional campaign economics, I would say. But it does look really exciting, and I really, really hope they're back. You know, uh, I, I'm a huge fan of, of Campag on the mechanical side of things. You know, I've got I've got multiple Campag record bikes that, you know, j- it just works beautifully. It's it's beautifully engineered. Um, it, you know, it's a it's a company full of very very talented engineers. I just don't think their business management is quite as good. <laughs> who well, knows it could be it could be their strategy to keep us all waiting and then hit us with, a, with you know it could be a 10-year strategy now where they dominate the market who knows they drop something absolutely crazy yeah well i think on that note we will bring this all to a close um so thanks ever so much warren for your time um hopefully you'll go and enjoy uh, your gravel ride out in the wilds of wiltshire and uh, how's the weather looking it's stopped raining um and the sun seems to be trying to come out so I'll, I'll stay dry i'll just get muddy there you go it put, is the, put a mudguard on. It is the first of March as we record it this, so so it, technically it is spring according to the calendar. We are officially. Oh man, we're officially in spring, aren't officially. we? Officially. Ah, well, we finished on a really great note in that case. We have. We'll wait till May till it actually arrives. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, lovely. All right. Well, thanks, Was, uh, and thanks, Ash, as well. If you do have any questions for us, of course, any comments or anything like that, or maybe some questions for our next tech Q and As, don't forget to pop them in an email to podcast at bikeradio.com. and we will catch you next time for the Bike Radio podcast. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 